Good singing. Remain standing. Get your Bibles. We're going to read our scripture. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1. We'll read our scripture and then have a special this morning and then get into the service. We're going to go through three portions of scripture uh, here and read three different verses. The start in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. If you see someone that does not have a Bible, please share it with them. Romans chapter 12 and verse number, verse number 1. Let's read that. Uh, I will read out loud. You just read silently uh, there, but follow along as we read. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Turn over now to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 10. You can follow along as I read out loud. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10. It says this, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now I'll turn over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we're going to read verse number 7, well-known verse. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 7. We'll read this verse, we'll pray, and have a special, and then get into the service. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless this morning. God, I pray that you'd get me out of the way and, and help your word to be he heard this morning. God, if there's someone here today that's not saved, I pray they get saved. God, thank you for this opportunity to preach from your word, to have your word. And God, I pray that you do something in the hearts, do something in my heart. Help me only to say what you want me to say. I pray to God it's a help to your people this morning. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Like a blind man, I was stumbling down life's road. Then one day, I heard Jesus passing by, knowing he was the only one who could ever make me whole in desperation reaching out to him i cry mercy river flow through me Why 
wash away all my sin make me clean it's the blood that jesus shed on calvary lord please let your mercy river flow through me oh my friend are you tired of your life of sin oh this very moment Jesus is passing by your way, and I know he's the only one who could ever make you whole. Just reach out to him, he'll hear when you say. away all my sin make me clean it's the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary Lord please let your mercy river flow through me it's the blood that jesus shed on calvary lord please let your mercy river flow through me. All right, take your Bibles and am I on? You here? Okay, take your Bibles and go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33. Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to preach um, in this pulpit and preach to your people and to the Anchor Baptist Church. And uh, definitely not something to just think flipping of, uh, but it's an honor definitely to do that. And so thank you for that opportunity. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3. I'm going to start this morning with asking a question. The question is not the title of the sermon. The title of the sermon won't be till about a little over halfway through. But I want to start off with a question this morning. I get this question that I want to ask you as a believer, as a saved person. I want to ask you this question this morning, and we're going to read this verse, and then we'll uh, ask you the question. Jeremiah 33.3, a lot of us, if you've been in church, you've heard this verse used. Uh, maybe this has become one of your prayers uh, in your personal time with God. Uh, there, but Jeremiah 33.3, 3, the Bible says this, Call unto me, 
and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What a promise from our Heavenly Father to say that if you call upon me and I answer thee, I'm going to show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to say this, and starting this morning, this is not this is just a side note this morning to understand that what you have seen God do is nowhere near what God is capable of. Amen. I want you to think about that this morning. What you think God can do, God can do so much more. The Bible says His ways are far above our ways. Uh, his understanding is way above our understanding. We can't even comprehend things that even God tells us in the Bible. It talks about the grace of God. And how do we comprehend the grace of God as a Christian? I don't, I don't understand it. It's just far better than anything I can ever imagine. And when the verse here says, Call upon me and I will answer thee, in this phrase right here, And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to ask you this question this morning, Christian or saved person, child of God. Do you want great and mighty things of God? Do you want great and mighty things of God? No doubt in asking that question, every saved person that is in here this morning says, Oh yeah, I want great and mighty things of God. I think you'd be very foolish and very backslidden in your life as a Christian or as a saved person to say, I don't want the mighty things of God. I don't, I don't want the blessings of God. I, I don't want, it would be very, a very foolish statement. And even in my mind would question, are you saved? Are you saved? Do you want great and mighty things from God? Jeremiah 33.3 uh, says here that, that, that if we pray, if we call upon Him, that he will answer thee and show us great, which thou knowest not. But you can't even comprehend. Uh, you won't even be able, if you will, it'll shock you. Nothing shocks God. But what he does in our lives sometimes shocks us. Takes us by surprise. Uh, it, 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 it calms us. All of a sudden we think we're about to go through uh, the shipwreck of life and then all of a sudden the peace of God comes in. We don't understand that's a great and mighty thing. Uh, we're facing a, a trial in life. We're facing uh, whether it's a financial problem or, 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 or a sickness problem and, and we don't know the answer. We don't know how we're going to make it and all of a sudden God shows us great and mighty things. Yeah. Do you want great and mighty things of God? A Christian says... You know, I'd like to be used by God like Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God used him to build a great... I'd like to, be used, I'd like to see great and mighty things like Noah. I'd like to see great and mighty things like Moses who, who, who stood up in front of the people of God. God, I was thinking about this this morning in our Sunday school lesson. I, I kind of used different illustrations. We talked about uh, Moses. Think about Moses on the backside of the desert minding his own business. And God said, with a burning bush, Moses, I want to use you. And Moses said, God, you don't want to use me. God said, no, I, I have something for you. And how God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. In the crowd, the multitude of people that Moses uh, led and influenced in that whole, in that whole book there in the, in the Bible uh, where, where it talks about Moses going all the way out of Egypt into the wilderness and, and how God used him and took him up on top of the mountain and gave him the Ten Commandments, how he saw the face of God and, and all the things. God, I want to see great and mighty things like Moses saw. A Christian may say, I, I, I want to see great and mighty things like David the shepherd boy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Shepherd boy facing Goliath. Can you imagine what could be going through your mind that somehow he had faith in God? 
He knew that God was going to do that. I don't know if it was me. I don't know what I'd be thinking. But, but, but David had faith. And then all that God used in David's life to, be, to become a man after mine own heart. To be used of, of God. The honor that David had in his life when, when Saul was chasing him to not touch the anointed, the man of God, and, and, and what respect that he had and the way he carried himself and conducted himself. Uh, Maybe may say, God, I want to see great and mighty things like, like David. Maybe it's the woman that fed Elijah her last meal. God, I, I want to see great and mighty things. I, God, can you use me to just feed someone their last meal? Can you, can you use me to help the man of God? Uh, God, can you use me just to be a blessing to the man of God? If all my years I'm just committed in a blessing to the man of God at my church, then I, that, that is great and mighty things to me. I want to see great and mighty things. Maybe you want to see be used of God like, a, like an Andrew, the disciple, to bring a, a, his family to Christ first and then be used of God as one of the disciples during those three, uh, three and a half years that Christ was here in, in his earthly ministry. Uh, God, I, I just want to be used like an Andrew. With God. Everybody here wants to be used somehow in their life by God. If you love the Lord, if you want to follow the Lord, we have a desire to to want to be used by our Heavenly Father. Do you want the great and mighty things of God? Maybe you hear and you say, "I I just want to be a servant of God like Mary and Martha. I want to wipe the feet of Jesus with my life. I just want to use my life, just pour it out to Him. I, I just want to be a servant in the house of God and give my life to being a servant. I want God, I want to see great and mighty things. I don't want to be a useless vessel. I, God, I want to be used by you. Amen. I just don't want to come sit and, and sour in, in the pew of, of a church. I, God, I want, to, I want to see great and mighty things through my life. Amen. Maybe you want to be used like a Peter on the day of Pentecost. Chapters before, chapters before, he's, he's, bla- he, he's, he's cursing, denying Christ. And a few chapters later, he stands up on the day of Pentecost, and over 3,000 people get saved, 3,000 add to the church. God, if I could just be used like a Peter, I, I want to be used. I, God, I don't, I don't want to just, uh, just, uh, just sit here, and I don't want to just come and go as I please. God, I want something special. I want to look back at my life and, and think of the great and mighty things that God used Amen. me for in my life. Maybe you're here this morning, and you want to be used. You want to see the great and mighty things of God like a Paul. <laughs> he was used to, re- used, to, used to reach not only the individual, but the masses for Christ. I was used to go into city after city and on mission after mission trip and even with the young Timothy and teaching and training and, and one day leaving behind people that, that, he, that he had an opportunity to influence in his life. And we look into the Bible and look at a Paul and we say, man, great and mighty things happened with the man, man Paul. Great and mighty things we saw through his life. The Christian says, I, I want to be used by God like these people and even someone like a Edward Kimball, science school teacher that led D.L. Moody to Christ. What an opportunity to look back and not even knowing what you're doing. <laughs> just, just doing what God's called you to do. Just being faithful to what God's called you to be faithful to. Amen. Yep. Years later to know and even in heaven to look down 
and see a D.L. Moody preaching and thousands of people coming to Christ. And even, even the city's being shook for the gospel's sake. And being shook for revival. You say, I, I, if I could just be a Sunday school teacher. God, if I could see, just see great and mighty things through my Sunday school class. God, if I could just be used of God in that way, I, I'd be satisfied. I just don't want to sit in the pew. I just don't want to stand up with everyone else and just sing a congregational. I don't want to just drive into a church house and listen to another sermon. God, I want to be used of you Amen. to do something. God, I want to see the great and mighty things around me and in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I want to be, I want God to use me in a special way. I just don't want to be used in, 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 in any capacity, but God, I want to be used in a special way. I want, I, want to be, I want to see the great and mighty things. I want to see the power of God uh, through my life. I, I just don't want to uh, live life as a Christian and just at the end of my life say, yeah, I got saved. I don't want that to be my testimony. That is a part of my testimony. But I don't want my whole testimony of my life for Christ to be the simple fact that I accepted Christ and that's it. I want to look back on my life and say, God, I saw you take care of this, and God, I saw you bless here, and God, I saw you do a work there, God, I saw mighty things happen there, and God, I saw great things that you did in my life. I want to see great and mighty Amen. things, which thou knowest not. Like a Joseph in slavery, imprisoned, and then used to save a nation. God, I want to be used. Uh, like an Abraham that was used to bring about the people of God. Generations. They said your seed will be like the, the sand of the, of, of the sea. I mean, it's going to multiply. I'm out of you, Abraham. Out of you. Now to do that, Abraham, you have to leave your family. And to do that, you're going to have to suffer some things. And, and to do that, you're going to have to go through some things. But Abraham, I've got great plans for you. Like an Esther. Use of God to save the people of God from wicked Haman. God, if I could just be used in some capacity, whatever it may be, God, I just want to be, I want to see great and mighty things in my life. Like a Samuel the prophet, great and mighty things. Like a Nehemiah that helped build the wall of Jerusalem. God, I just want to see great and mighty things. God, I just want to be used by God. We all want to do great things. We all want to do great, uh, God to do great things in us and through us. The Christian, I got a ring here. Can you help me with that? We all want God to do great things in us and through us. And the Christian says, I just don't feel like God. I don't feel like God. Uh, I, I feel like God doesn't uh, want to use me. Uh, maybe because of who I am or maybe because of my, my background. I just don't know if Brother Pledge, I don't know if God would want to use me. I, I want to see great and mighty things, but God, uh, uh, Brother Pledge, you know who I am. You know where I've come from. And God knows what I've done. I don't think God can use me. If I could point you to a verse in Acts, uh, chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, uh, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Listen to me. God is not going to choose one person that is willing 
and open to God using them. He's going to use them over another person that is the same willing and open to be used. God is not a respect. He doesn't care about your background, where you came from. He doesn't care about what you've done in life. Look at the Apostle Paul and all that he did before he got saved. Look at even Peter and John and all that they did in Matthew, the tax collector, all that they did before they got saved. God does not care of where you've been or what you've gone, but if you're willing to be used, God says, I'll use you. He's not a respecter of persons. Listen to this statement. God is willing to use anyone that is willing to be used. Listen to me, teenager. Wake up. God is willing to use anyone that is willing to be used. The reason why God, it may seem like God passes over you as a Christian and like God is using this person and using this person and using that person. But God, why aren't you using me? I, 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 why aren't you using me? Maybe it's because you just are not willing to be used. Maybe there's things you're holding back in your life away from God. Maybe God has a plan for you, but he's waiting for you to give in. God used a Moses and a Noah and Abraham. God even used a Ruth. God used a Paul. God used Joseph. God used Samuel and Elisha and Elijah. God used Nehemiah and a Timothy. God used a David and Isaiah and a Gideon. God used a Peter and even a John Mark that quit at one time. God used a Saul. God used Esther. God used a John. If God could use, you name and you think and read back in all those stories. In their history, if God can use them, listen to me, Christian, and show them great and mighty things, God can still use you. Amen. From one spectrum of a person to the other, God will use anyone who is willing, and he will equip them for his cause. But see what he just said. God will use any. Well, I just don't really have anything to offer to God. You don't need anything to offer to God. God will use you if you're willing, and God will give you what he needs in the area you need you in. Think of a Moses. God, you don't want to use me. I can't even talk. <laughs> I don't know. I think you got the wrong person. <laughs> I, I think you need someone else who's a little more equipped for this. God said, no, Moses, I, I, I need you. God wants to use you. So it comes down to this. So the problem is not God, right. listen to me, but the problem is us. Correct. Listen, listen to what I just said. You say, I want to see great and mighty things through my life. I want God to do great things in my life. I want to see the blessing of God. I want to, I want to know the grace of God and the peace of God in my life. Amen. The problem's not God. The problem's me. The problem is you. And looking at these lives, I see many, I see many things that every Every, uh, everyone in the Bible, and all, especially these people we've talked about this morning, but most everyone in the Bible that was used of God, I see three things. I see three things that they all have in common. And even those in our modern day, those in our modern day, the preachers that you know that you've heard, the preachers that come here, our own pastor, men of God that you met, even our modern day, these three things are evident in their life. You want to see great and mighty things, Christian. There are three things that must happen. And here's the sermon. 
surrender plus sacrifice plus suffering equals great and mighty things. Listen to what I just said. Surrender plus sacrifice plus suffering. Not one without the other. Surrender plus sacrifice plus suffering equals great and mighty. You, you, you show me someone in the Bible that did something great for God and I'll show you surrender. And you show me someone in the Bible that did something great for God, and I'll show you a sacrifice that they made to do Amen. something great for God. And you, show me, and you show me someone that did something great for God, and I'll show you time after time after time after time that they suffered Amen. throughout their ministry. See, we want to see great and mighty things, don't we? Man, we want God to do great things, but God, we don't want to surrender. That's right. Oh, we want the great and mighty things, but God, we're not sacrificing nothing for the cause of Christ. Oh, we want great and mighty things, but God, I'm not suffering for nobody, for the ministry. I'm just not going to go through it. As soon as I face it, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm giving in. But we want to see the great and mighty things. Listen to me, Christian. You won't see the great and mighty things until you do those three things. Go back into the Bible and every line. Pastor has said it multiple times. At this generation doesn't want to suffer for anything. We're not willing to go through trials and tribulations. We're not willing to, to, to kind of struggle a little bit. We're not willing to, ready, 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 in our technology age, to not know the answer. To not know the answer. To just go on in life going, God, I trust you. God, I have faith in you because I don't know the answer to this one. We're not willing to do that. And you want to see great and mighty things in your life? And there's going to have, these three things are going to have to be in there somewhere. These three things you're going to have to face. Listen, not as a family, in your life personally. Not me and my buddy, but in your life personally. It's not someone else's faith that keeps you going throughout the Christian life, but it's your faith personally. Amen. And too many times we're living off the faith and the trust and the understanding of the Bible of our own pastor, of, of a family member, of, of another man of God somewhere else. But we're living off of their faith instead of living off our own. We're living off of their surrendering and their sacrificing and their suffering, but not our own. Yeah. You're not going to see great and mighty things until right. you face these three areas in your life. In every life mentioned, in thousands and thousands, this rings true. We think, Christians, that for a mere fact that we exist, that God wants to do mighty things through us. Correct. And that's not true. Well, I exist. Why doesn't God want to use me? Oh, he's willing. Mm -hmm. right. But some people, as we know, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Just because I, well, I'm saved, so why doesn't God want to use me? He wants to use you. But you're holding him back. He wants to show you the great and mighty things. But he can't through your life. He can do through the person next to you because they're surrendered and they've sacrificed and they're willing to suffer. Great and mighty things can be small and big from a soul owner to a faithful servant of God. 
from a man of God to, to, to one that reaches thousands to the preacher that's in a no-name town in the back of, backside of nowhere that is just preaching to a handful of people and, and gives his life. Great and mighty things can happen there as much as they can happen in a, a large church with thousands of members or, or a missionary that is a missionary in a small country and, and just has a small church but is, is trying his best to reach those people and have people saved or like the missionary that has hundreds and thousands of people get saved on some third world country foreign mission field. Listen to me. Both are great and mighty things to those people in their life and God wants to use both. God wants to use both. Surrender, sacrifice, and suffering is what it takes to see the great and mighty things. Number one, surrender. Surrender means this. Point number one, surrender. Surrender means this, to yield power fully. To resign in favor of another. To, to just give over. There comes a time in every Christian, saved person, in your life that you must surrender. Listen to me, surrender yourself. Yield yourself. Give over yourself fully. Resign yourself in somebody else's favor, our Savior's favor, and what He has for your life. There must be a point in your life where you surrender Yourself to him. I believe with all my heart there, there's, there's Christians, Christians, oh, sorry, saved people. There are saved people, even in our own churches, that have never surrendered themselves to God. That's right. Listen to what I just said. So I'm saved, I go to church. That doesn't mean you're surrendered. Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me, saved person. I'm saved and I go to church, so I'm surrendered. That doesn't mean you're surrendered because you go to church and you're saved. Being surrendered is being fully given yourself over. To whatever God wants. God, if you will, uh, take the reins of my life and you, you tell me where to go. Uh, you, you show me where you need me. Uh, you point me in whatever direction you want me. That is full surrender over to God. Moses surrendered at the burning bush to say, God, wherever you want, I'll do it. He had no idea what he was getting himself into. He had no idea what that was going to cost him from that point on. But he knew, God... I've tried to talk you out of it. <laughs> I've tried to change your mind. Told you I can't do this, but God, you said you want me, so God, I'm yours. That's full surrender. Surrender. Surrender like a Paul on the road to Damascus to say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. God, whatever you want, I'll do it. That's surrender. Sur sur surrender like a, a Noah when God said, I want you to build an ark. And he said, okay, God, I, I'm going to build an ark. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that entails. I don't know how it's going to work. What is rain? I have no idea what's going on. But God, if you want me to build an ark, I'm surrendered to you, and I'll go ahead and start building this ark. Imagine building something you've never seen. I can't imagine that. Build something. I don't even have a picture of it, and I, I got to build it. <laughs> There's no YouTube, and I got to build this thing. Uh, come on. But Noah gave himself over. He said, God, whatever, I don't understand, but whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Surrender. We have a lot of saved people in our church, like I said a minute ago, that have never been surrendered. Amen. Being an usher, you must be surrendered. To be a teacher, you must be surrendered. You see, we, we think that these are jobs uh, for people that went to Bible college. Or these are jobs for people that went. The Bible college doesn't mean anything nowadays. I want you to think about that, what I just said. It doesn't, doesn't really mean anything. You learn a little bit about Bible. That's about it. But about life and practical and ministry, you don't learn that much. And everybody here that's been to Bible college knows exactly that, that's exactly right. 
We've learned, I've learned more just from being here in five years. God has taught me more than I've learned in four years of Bible college. Every day. God wants to use you, but you got to be surrendered to it. So I'm just a bus captain. I don't need to be surrendered. Yeah, you do. You need to be surrendered, given over, yielded to that ministry God has given you. You need to be surrendered, even if you're just an altar worker, or, or if you're a choir member, you've got to be surrendered to it. If you're uh, being anything that God, uh, being anything for God, takes surrender and yielding to. Being anything for God, anything for God, takes surrender and being yielding to whatever God wants. We wonder why we struggle in different areas of our Christian life. Let me ask you this, Christian, are you surrendered? We hear the, the mighty stories and the great stories of, of, of preachers uh, in, in past time and preachers of today and, and pe even our fellow Christians that go out soul winning and that are working in different missions. They tell you stories about what God has done in a family and what God's doing in their heart and what God did out on a Saturday. And in your mind, you're going, I wish I had that. And man, I, that, is really, that seems really neat, if you will. And I wish I could have been there. And I wish God would use me like that. Are you surrendered? They're surrendered. Are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? You go back through here to all these lists of names and you can see the surrendering points where every one of these men just gave in and said, God, whatever you want. God, I'm yielded to you. You just, you just point me whatever direction you want. They were surrendered. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, listen, daily live. Not, you know, weekend live. Surrender. Fully yielded over. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures, uh oh, all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior holy thine. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessings fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Is that your life today? Is that your life today? Are you fully surrendered? You say, Brother Pledger, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But are you surrendered? Have you, has there been a point in your life where you fully yielded to God? We, I wouldn't point out names. We have teenagers, though, in our teen department that I can point back at a first camp they went to when they went forward and said, I'm surrendering my life to just do whatever God wants. I, I don't know what that is, but I'm surrendering. And one or two years later, they, they feel like God's putting a burden on their heart for something, and, and they feel like God's called them to preach or God's called them into the ministry, and, and that surrender has now led to another stage. And here soon, many of them will be graduating our school or graduating from school and, and decisions are being made and they've been meeting and talking about uh, in their own individually talking about God's will for their life. You know how they get to that point? Surrender. At one time in their life, just saying, God, I do not know what this means. I don't know what this, is, what this, what this means for my life. I don't even know what you want me to do, but God, I'm just surrendering. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Amen. I, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm looking, and, and I want you to use me with my life. I, God, I want to be used by you. I want to see the great and mighty things. I don't want to just sit in church. I don't, I don't want to just be saved. But, God, I want to be surrendered to whatever you want me to do. 
You want to see great and mighty things, Christian, say person, it takes surrender. Number two, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Word sacrifice to offer and, and, and homage and, or worship by killing or and consuming. To destroy for a purpose of giving up. Sacrifice. Surrender and sacrifice are not the same. We do a quick look at two words and sometimes we think, oh, those words, they both mean the same thing, but they're, they're very much different. The two words, surrender and sacrifice. Sacrifice is you laying something down for God. Surrender is God, I yield to you. Sacrifice is God, I give this up to you. Surrender is you saying, God, I'm willing to be used. I'm surrendering myself, whatever you want. But sacrifice is taking that, if you will, taking that thing in your life and saying, God, I'm laying this down on the altar to you. That's sacrifice. Sacrifice was in the Old Testament than bringing the sacrifices to the, to the tabernacle. It was a God, I'm giving this to you. You consume it. It's yours. I don't even want it back. It's yours. We have a lot of Christians that maybe you've surrendered. You've surrendered to God, but you're not willing to sacrifice anything. You're not willing to give up, lay down anything for God to just consume and it's yours. We want to hold on to everything in our life. Mm -hmm. Our wants. Our dreams. Surrender is you yielding to God. Giving up your desires for your life. What you want to do is sacrificing that thing for God. You're laying it down saying, God, I'm not only surrendering to you, but God, I am, I am showing that I'm surrendering. I'm sacrificing this to you takes both. By the way, sacrifice, uh, sorry, without, listen to this real quick, surrender and sacrifice are not the same. But without sacrifice, there is no true surrender. Yeah. Think about what I just said. Yeah. That's right. Without sacrifice, there is no true surrender. So I surrendered to God, but I'm not giving that up. You're not surrendered. When you surrendered, you've given everything. God, God you just you tell me what you want. You point it out in the sermon. You point it out in, in, in preaching. You point it out in my Bible reading. God, you just point it out. It's yours. You just tell me what you want, and I'm yielded. I give, I give, I lay everything down to you, whatever you want. You just tell me, put your finger on it, and it's yours. I give it to you. That sacrifice. That's true surrender. But you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say, well, I'm surrendered to God. We have, we have a lot of Christians in churches that do that. Well, I'm surrendered to God, but you can't take that from me. Well, I'm surrendered, I'm surrendered to God. God, I'll do anything, but don't touch that. That's mine. Yeah. I, I want, but you know, God, I, I'm willing to serve you and do whatever you want to do. God, I want to do anything that you want me to do. But God, I got to keep my you know, million-dollar house. I want to have my brand new car, and I want to keep that thing because that's mine. That, that's precious to me. What if God said give it up? 
By the way, when you surrender, God is going to test your surrender by sacrifice. Abraham and Isaac. Mm. Abraham and Isaac. Are you truly surrendered? Are you willing to sacrifice? The sacrifice of comfort. Sacrifice of family. The sacrifice of finances. The sacrifice of friends. The sacrifice of fame. The sacrifice of time. The sacrifice of vacations, the sacrifice of luxury, and the sacrifice of self. Are you willing to sacrifice for God? Yeah. Yeah. Well, God, I, God, I, God, I want you to do. We come down to the altar after a sermon. God, I want you to do great and mighty things in my life. God, I want to see the miracles in God. I want to see the blessings in God. I want to be used whatever capacity, God. I just want to be used, but you're not willing to sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. Amen. If we went around the room to different people in our church and could tell the stories of people that have sacrificed because they've surrendered, they're willing to give up, change, not take the pay raise because it's going to affect their church, and not take the job across town because they can't be faithful. Not accept something because it's going to mess with one of their ministries. Uh-huh. Pulled on family and friends to do something and say, no, I can't because I'm loyal to God. It takes sacrifice. Amen. It takes sacrifice. So, Brother Pudge, I'm surrendered. I want to see the, the blessings of God. Well, then it takes, it takes sacrifice. Number three probably the one that most people are afraid of. Suffering. Suffering. Suffering is the bearing of pain. Inconvenience or damage. Distress, loss, or injury. Suffering. You surrender and you sacrifice. Listen to me, Christian. If you want the great and mighty things, there's going to be suffering. I want you to turn to 1 Peter, chapter number 5, and verse number 10. 1 Peter, chapter number 5, in verse number 10. First Peter, chapter 5, and verse number 10, suffering. You must be willing to suffer. First Peter, chapter number 5, verse number 10, the Bible says this. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, sell you. You notice that suffering comes before thee, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, sell you. You recognize that? Before God, l- l- listen to me. You want to see the great and mighty things, you have to go through some suffering. Amen. Now, this is the one that most Christians, especially today's Christians, don't want. We, we, have, this, we have this blindness that we can live through the Christian life and never suffer anything. It's not going to happen. Right. Show me it in the Bible. Okay, let's get out of tradition. Show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible. 
Let's get away from what we just, you know, we think we know because we, you know, we're, we're a Baptist church. Baptist church has been around for a long time. And we have sometimes our own ideology about something. But let's go back to the Bible. It's not there. It's not there. That's right. Show me a person in the Bible used by God to do great things for God, whether little or small, whether in, in your, but great things by God that did not have to suffer something. Even the woman with the two mites had to suffer. The littlest thing. The littlest thing for God. But still suffered. Had to be willing to go through it. Think about the woman that fed Elijah in their last meal. Had to suffer. Had to suffer. Doing the work of God had to suffer. Helping the man of God had to suffer. Paul doing what God calls him to do had to suffer. We read through that scripture where it talks about how many times he was shipwrecked and how many times he was whipped uh, whipped there and how many times he was beaten, how many times he was stoned. And Paul, a great apostle, Paul had to go through all of those things for the cause of Christ. I tell you one thing, at the end of his life, he definitely fought a good fight. <laughs> he finished his course and he kept the faith. He saw great and mighty things. Great. You want those great and mighty things? Yep. Are you willing to suffer? Yep. Are you willing to hurt? Are you willing to spend sleepless nights crying because you don't know the answer? Are you willing to feel heartbroken? Are you willing to go through some pain? For Christ's sake. Are you willing to go through, through things with family, job, finances, even your own home? That's Suffer. Right. That's right. So I surrendered. I, I, I've sacrificed. But God, if I've sacrificed, I, I don't want to suffer. Well, God, I've given stuff up, so why do I need to suffer? It takes all three to see the great and mighty things. I want you to look over at Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three and verse number eight. Paul said this. Philippians chapter three and verse number eight. Paul said this. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss. Sacrifice. For the excellency of the knowledge of, of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Look at verse number 10. That I may know him, talking about God, in the power uh, of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Suffering. Suffering. If you could only... If we could, and I say this lightly, if we, if we could bring men of God up here that have pastored and served God with their lives, and we could, if you will, pull back and show you the scars, the suffering they've had to endure, 
the sleepless nights. The wounds of people, Christians, say people, members, stabbing them in the back. Blaming them for everything going wrong in their life. When all they did is try to help is their suffering. If we could let you see a man of God and how he gave up everything, his family, time away from his kids, time away from his wife. And sad, sadly, but many of them, as their kids get older, now their kids are not even in church anymore, but they're still serving God. And they've suffered that. Uh, they've gone through that portion. If we could sit there and just show you the hurt, but if I could show you the great and mighty things that God has used them to do throughout their life. And no doubt, if you bring men of God up here and preachers and pastors up here and say, was it worth it? Probably 100% of them would say absolutely. That doesn't mean there wasn't pain. That doesn't mean it didn't hurt. That doesn't mean they didn't, they didn't look at a trial they knew they were about to face and start gritting their teeth and going, I, can't, I don't know if I can do this again. It doesn't mean that there wasn't tears. But they were fully surrendered. They had already sacrificed. If they had to suffer a little bit more for Christ's sake, then they were willing to suffer. Count all things but loss. That I may win Christ. To understand the fellowship of His suffering. The power of His resurrection like Paul. Paul at the end of his life looked back at his life and yes, suffered many things throughout his life. But at the end of it, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And I've kept the faith. Growing up in a, in a preacher's home. I saw different things that took place. And I saw the times even my own grandfather would go through different trials in his life and, su and, and suffer. But every Sunday, like, like even our pastor here, gets up and preaches God's word. And you'll never know. You'll never know. I know multiple men of God that have given up their own paychecks to make sure the church keeps going. Their own paychecks. I'll figure it out. I'll trust God. This church has got to keep going. I'm not talking about new preachers just started. I'm talking about preachers that have been there for years and years and years, and that should never have happened. Should never have happened. But they were willing, without even telling anybody, say, I'm, I'm giving it up. It's more important the cause of Christ keeps going. Amen. Suffered. Suffered. So, Christian, let me ask you this. You want to see the great and mighty things? Are you willing to suffer? Why should a man of God, why should a pastor suffer? But the people of God not. Uh, why, should, why, should, uh, why, why should you see the great and mighty things of God and, allow, and God go, do things in your life 
but somebody else that has gone through everything. God's, God's not going to say he's not going to use them. God's going to use them. See, we want the great and mighty things, but we must be willing to suffer. So how about it, Christian? Are you surrendered? Have you sacrificed everything? Have you sacrificed? Have you given up your dreams because you're surrendered? God, whatever you want, I'm yours. Have you, have you laid it down and said, God, you consume it. It's yours. Are you willing to suffer, Christian? It's going to come. It's not if it's going to come, it's when is it going to come. My, my wife and I, we, uh, we, we, we chuckle a little bit when things come up in our life because it's like we'll be sitting there and everything has been going good, right? Here's what we'll say to each other. Something's about to happen. It's been way too good lately. <laughs> Something's about to take place. But it's, been, it's been smooth for about a month, two months. There's something that's going to come up and we're going to have to have more faith in God. It's going to build our faith. Yeah. God, God's going to put us back through a little bit here and there, and it's coming soon. And we just start mentally preparing that when something it's not going to be a shock. A pastor preached a sermon a while back of, of, of uh, oh, man, getting through the shock. It amazes me how Christians, you've been in church 20 years, and it's still shocking you when something happens. I'm not saying that you don't get emotional. I'm not saying that it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you. What I'm saying is that it almost destroys your Christianity. The suffering. I know someone that suffered a little bit. Oh, he also surrendered when he was tempted. He also sacrificed a lot. Had no place to lay his head. And he also suffered for your sins. Wasn't that a great and mighty thing? Yes, sir. Jesus Christ. Listen, listen to me. You are not going to go through life and live for God and live for God. I didn't say exist as a saved person and live for God. You're not going to go through life and live for God without being surrendered without sacrificing something in your life, and without suffering through something. Whether you're here in the States, a missionary on the mission field, you're going to suffer. You're going to have to sacrifice. And you're going to have to surrender yourself. Unsaved person, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, listen to me. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, the first thing you need to surrender is to salvation. Listen to me. Without Jesus Christ, period, there is no heaven for you. Listen to what I just said. Without Jesus Christ, that's it, there is no heaven for you. Correct. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, not going. Amen. Say, well, I'll choose one day. You won't choose nothing. You're already headed for hell. Without Jesus Christ, you're on your, you're on your way to hell already. That's right. Your only way out is Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't say church, and I didn't say good works, and I didn't say religion. I didn't say living right. Yeah. 
I said Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say for whosoever shall call upon Anchor Baptist Church shall be saved. It didn't say the Lord Anchor Baptist Church and, and you doing being a pretty good person, you shall be saved. It didn't say that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. That's the first thing you need to surrender to. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. Listen to me. You could die today. A week ago, I got a phone call from my youth pastor back in Florida. He is, was not my youth pastor when I was there. He was a bus captain. And uh, he called and said, hey, hey, hey Ryan, um, I need to, need to tell you something. He named one of my teenagers that was there at Calvary when I was a youth pastor there. And uh, their whole family used to come, whole family. Uh, Mom and dad came, came here and there, but all the kids came. Three of them were in the teen department. He said, hey, do you remember? And he named, said his name. He said uh, he's in the hospital and he's, he's going to pass away here today. They're not expecting him to make it in a few hours. He's got a lot of brain damage. He's brain dead. So what happened? Now, when I was there, he was in church. About a year after I left, he just started not coming. Just kind of got out of church, started doing his, running around with the wrong crowd. Listen to me, Tanner, running around with the wrong crowd. Into drugs, alcohol, as a 16-year-old teenager. Destroying his life. Destroying his life. I asked my youth pastor, that was his bus captain, I said, what happened? This is now, he, he's now 19 years old. This last week was 19 years old. He said he got into an argument with his girlfriend. And he was on drugs. They're riding down the road 60 miles an hour. Down 215. And he opened the passenger door and jumped out of the car. And died. Brain dead right away. They pulled the plug less than 15 hours later because they said there's, there's, no, there's nothing. Nothing. No response. We're, we're keeping him alive. Listen to me. I don't care how old you are. Hell is real. Heaven is just as real. And Jesus Christ is the only one that gets you there. And if you're not saved, you don't know if you walk out the doors today, if you're going to make it till tomorrow. So, well, I'm young. I don't need to get saved now. I got the rest of my life to live. So did he. And by the way, many others that we could sit here and talk about, young people that have passed away, even younger than that. Look at me. If you're not saved, your first step is to surrender to salvation. Surrender. Give in. Yield. Christ, I accept you. That's it. That's it. Christ, I accept you. You can't get to heaven on your own. Amen. There's no way you're going to heaven on your own. Religion will not save you. I don't care if you're a good person in church. Religion, Anchor Baptist Church members, religion will not save you. Living a good Christian life is not getting you to heaven. Jesus Christ Amen. and Him alone is the only way to heaven. If you're here this morning, that's the first surrender. 
surrendering to him in salvation. Head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around.